The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today um, we're going to be talking about uh, the story of a true story movie that wasn't. And... um, this, uh, as my guest was just saying before we started, this is a precursor uh, to a lot of what's going on today. I mean, this movie, the movie we're talking about is Yours, Mine, and Ours. It's a classic. It was actually a 1968 movie, but it's played uh, again and again. And um, it really foreshadowed um, what we have today, not only true story movies that similarly aren't real true stories, uh, a lot of liberties being taken, um, and also in reality shows that aren't really reality, you know, where uh, in some of the reality shows, uh, the reality is manufactured. And so this is one of the earliest examples of that. And as my guest will reveal, Tom North, um, he, the reality that... Uh, was supposedly described in Yours, Mine, and Ours was very far from what the Hollywood movie portrayed. And Tom has written a book called The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours. And uh, as you will hear, it was far from the Hollywood fairy tale that we all fell in love with. So welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Carol. Um, you know, that anno- one of the things that annoys me about movies, excuse me, is when they purport to be a true story and they're not. And, and um, you know, because you don't know, I mean, I'm talking about like today even, um, you know, we'll get into why they changed the story, your family's story, but, um, you know, whether it's for because they think it's more entertaining or whether they, there are things they want to hide or whether whatever the reason is, it's so annoying when you see a movie, a television movie or a movie in movie theaters, um, and you're expecting or you've been told that it's a true story and really, you know, it comes out later. I guess an example of that is, oh, what was the movie? What was the Captain Phillips? Did you see that? Which one? Captain Phillips. No, I haven't seen it. That was one that came out a few months back. It was the story of um, the man who, the ship that was taken over by, by pirates, Somali pirates, with Tom Hanks. Oh, oh yes. Well, I, I'm familiar with the, uh, the, the story. I mean, I'm familiar with the, with the basic story, but I, I'm unfamiliar with the film. 
Well, it's just that um, after the film came out, and I don't know, you know, what the true story is, but after the film came out, there were people who um, did have firsthand knowledge of that event who came out and said that the movie didn't portray it the way it was supposed to be. I mean, you know, if, if someone's going to do a movie about something and they don't claim that it's the true story, that's one thing. That's fine. You know, you can enjoy it for entertainment. But when you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself, this really happened, it's just very frustrating to then find out later that it didn't. So let's hear about your story um, from, from before Hollywood came calling. Okay, so, so to give your listeners a little bit of, of history here, uh, going back into the 1950s, my father, Richard North, was a Navy aviator. He was a bombardier navigator on, uh, in, in, on Navy experimental jets, and he flew what were called A3Ds, and they were an experimental fighter bomber. My mother, Helen North, had seven children and one in the oven when uh, Dick North uh, was killed flying these experimental aircraft. So the, uh, I was six years old at the time, and for the first six years of my life, I enjoyed a very stable, very loving family environment with lots of laughter and lots of hugging and kissing between my parents and playing with their children, and it was, it was a very healthy environment to be a child in. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, when my father died... Uh, in the in the jet crash, uh, obviously my mother was devastated, but there she was, 30 years old with eight children. Hmm. And so she moved to California, and she met a man, Frank Beardsley, who had 10 children. And as we all know, 10 and 8 equals ridiculous. <laughs> but that's what happened. They they got married, and that made 18, and they had two more shortly thereafter. So, But before Hollywood came calling, uh, there was in the North household, there was a, uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful place to be a child. Uh, we lived out in the country in Woodby Island, Washington, and there was seashore and forests and streams, and it was a wonderful place to be a little boy. Hmm. And and how did your mother meet Frank? Well, there's an interesting irony. My mother was attempting, my mother was a devout Catholic, and she was attempting to enroll her children in a Catholic school in, uh, mid, uh, in mid-year, in the December-January time frame, which could be very challenging. And mm-hmm. so she was... At a, she, she moved her children to the Bay Area in San Francisco Bay Area where she had family, so she had a support system there. And so she was enrolling the kids in the Catholic school, and the, the mother superior of that school was the sister of Frank Beardsley. Huh. And so there, uh, Mr. Beardsley had just lost his wife to, after the birth of her 10th child, to adult onset diabetes, and huh. so and so there he was, uh, basically uh, unprepared and ill-equipped to be a single father with ten children, and so uh, this story reached my mother's ears, and through 
through his sister, the, the nun who was running this Catholic school, my mother met him, and they began dating. And within 15 months of my father's passing, she was engaged to be married. Hmm. Yeah. So now, and your mother was a nurse? My mother had been a nursing student when she was married at the age of 19 to my dad, Richard North. Now, she was the, the, the Hollywood character that was played by Lucille Ball was a nurse. Hmm. And, and so there was a similarity there. Uh, but my mother never graduated from nursing school. She was a nursing student when she was married at the age of 19. Okay. And then um, Frank Beardsley was... He was a what? Navy officer, and he was a uh, chief warrant officer, so that's the highest enlisted rank that one can achieve, and he was the personnel officer at the Navy Postgraduate School in Monterey, California. So he lived in Carmel, which is about four miles from, from Monterey, and uh, was raising his children here, and all of the North children... When the merger was taking place, the, the North children after the wedding were moved into the Beardsley home. And so at one time we had 18 children living in the one household. Hmm. Um, okay. Now, going back, so when your mother, um, I mean, do you think your mother, do you think she had, when she um, wound up meeting Frank, do you think your mother had it in mind, like when she, whatever it is that she heard about him, that, did that pique her interest in terms of maybe someone she wanted to be romantically involved with? Uh, well, it's a really good question. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the rea- the, her explanation to me, which was shared with me later in life, uh, was that when she met his children, she saw ten children living in terror for their lives. Huh. And he was, uh, Frank Beardsley was a violent, ultra-violent man. And uh, in, in fact, when Lucille Ball met him, this is a bit of an aside, but when Lucille Ball came up to Carmel to meet the family and learn something about the character that she was going to play in the film... She met my mother and stepfather, and very, very quickly she took my mother aside and she said, you keep that man away from me. Huh. And she was, she picked up on his energy right away. Uh, he was an ultra-violent man who was uh, 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 what I refer to him as as an equal opportunity abuser. He abused everyone. And so when my mother met him and met his children, uh, she thought that the best thing that she could do, now she, again, she was a very devout Catholic who had grown up in the World War II years of, of self-sacrifice and everyone else is more important than I am. So that was the perspective that she took out into the world and, and so she thought the best thing she could do was save these children from this horrible man and save him from himself. Wow. I don't know how that goes. Wow, yes. But wasn't she afraid of not only, I mean, okay, I, you know, I understand for herself self-sacrificing, but wasn't she afraid about what he would do to you, like to her, her children? 
Well, one would think that would be a very rational observation that she might say, no, I can't take my children into this environment because he's a dangerous man. It doesn't seem to have occurred to her. <laughs> she, she, later in the book, in Chapter 26, I wrote about the family therapy sessions. Mm. And yes, we, I took the whole family through family therapy. And, well, that, that was good, yes. Oh, and, and you being a psychiatrist, uh, you can probably only imagine what it would be like with, with that many people all in the same room. <laughs> yes, the psychiatrist nightmare. Well, oh, we, need to, <laughs> we need to take a break. Um, the first segment is over, but obviously I'm sure everyone's glued to uh, to the show because this is all really fascinating. I'm glued. Um, you're, my guest is Tom North. His book is called True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today, uh, the show is entitled Grown Child Reveals Shocking Story of a True Story Movie That Wasn't. The Grown Child is Tom North. His book is called True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours. And that's the classic movie from 1968 that gets played over and over. And I'll bet you many of you have seen it. And it is a very warm, fuzzy movie. I, have, I saw it. I don't remember when, but I saw it. And um, it was a very warm, fuzzy movie. I remember, uh, I remember that. You, know, you, go, you walk away from it with a very warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> And Tom is telling us that it wasn't really so warm and fuzzy in the life of the uh, North Beardsley household. So we were talking about um, therapy that you took the family into in 1989, which was um, very, um, which was a very smart thing to do. And um, 
And go ahead, you were going to... We yeah, were talking we were, just, we were, we were talking yeah. about, about the issue of why didn't she realize that she was taking her eight children into a very dangerous environment with a very dangerous man. And, and it never seemed to have occurred to her when we went into the therapy sessions in 1989. Eventually, one of my brothers confronted her with that and said, you took us into a, a dangerous environment and you abandoned us there. And I remember as, as clear as if it was yesterday, she put her hands to her face and the look of astonishment on, on yeah. her face was, was uh, indelible in my mind. And she just said, oh, my God, I did. And then she started to cry. Uh, wow! It, it never had. It seemed. It seemed to have never occurred to her. And and I look at that as you know, in my rational moments, and I say, how could it not have occurred to her? But it seemed to have escaped her. Well, you know, two things that I think of. Um, one is that it probably, you know, she, you, as you were saying, she was thirty years old with eight children, and. Um, and probably, you know, she that 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 what didn't really make her, um, uh, you know, it would it would be not not every man would be willing to marry a woman who already had eight children. So maybe it, to some degree, although I saw pictures, uh, your mother was a very beautiful woman, um, but maybe she was afraid that no man would marry her unless he had, um, you know, unless there was something what damaged or some need on his side. Well, it's interesting that that Lucille Ball uh, made a a good point of that in the film, and uh, and it became a point of humor, the fact that here she was, uh, a woman with with eight children, and my God, who would want to marry a woman with eight children? Mm. So, so that became a, a, a major comedic point in the, the film Yours, Mine, and Ours, hmm, hmm. Uh, which you were right earlier when you said that it was a warm and fuzzy movie, and it was entertaining, and it did leave the, the audience leaving the theater with a very, very warm feeling. Uh, 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 the Frank Beardsley character in the film, played by Henry Fonda, was wise and loving and firm and disciplined, but very understanding, and, and I can only wish that the real Frank Beardsley had uh, those same characteristics. Well, now, another, um, the other thing that comes to my mind about why your mother might have been attracted to him and married him um, is, did, did she have, one of, my first book was called Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them, and of course, one of the 12 types that I describe is the abusive type. Um, and typically women who have been, who are attracted to those kinds of men, and I realize this isn't a typical situation, but um, usually came from some kind, well, certainly came from a, a dysfunctional relationship with their own father. Did your mother have that? Uh, yes. She, there, she came from a family of ten children herself. Mm. And, and so her father uh, was... Uh, I guess the term we would use today is, is shut down. He was mm-hmm. very withdrawn, very withdrawn, and uh, so she had a dysfunctional relationship with him. Um, but I think, as she shared with me, that her real intention was 
actually more religious than anything else. She felt that she mm-hmm. had a, a duty, a religious duty, to step in there and mm-hmm. be, a, be a martyr uh, as family. Uh-huh. Okay, so now, so there you were, the... Um, the two families became a blended family before that was uh, commonly so commonly used that term, um, and and when did things start going south? <laughs> Get well, that north south. Yeah, <laughs> when did things start going south? Uh, uh, I'm probably uh, not the first person to make that bad pun, but go ahead. <laughs> pun, in, pun intended, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, so the, the problems began right away. And, and so as I write in the beginning of the story, uh, my first in, inkling that this was a problem was uh, when Frank Beardsley took several of us children and my mother to a football game to see the San Francisco 49ers uh, in, in San Francisco. And uh, on the way home from the game, we all, the children were all supposed to be sleeping in the back of the station wagon we were in, and I was awake and I was listening to my mother and my stepfather arguing about the fact that he wanted to stop on the way home and visit one of his old girlfriends. Huh. And she said, well, you know, uh, you're, you're married now, and that's inappropriate, so, um, you know, we won't do that. And, and he started to scream at her and... Uh, told her to shut up and, and uh, do what he told her to do. And, and so I knew right then that I had never heard anyone uh, talk that way, and so I knew right away that we were in big trouble. Hmm. And that was the case. So I go on in the book to, to share incidences of, uh, of his violence and uh, the fact that, that all of us uh, were were shell-shocked. We were really suffering from traumatic stress disorder on a daily basis. And, of course, today we refer to post-traumatic stress disorder for service people who are returning from, from the battlefield. Uh, and we really lived in a battlefield on a daily basis because uh, he, it, we never knew who his next victim would be. And it was... Oh. What are some of the things that he did? Well, it was not uncommon. A, a child, I, I remember coming around the corner in the hallway one day, and there he was, and he, and he, he just reached out and knocked me across the room uh, for no apparent reason. And so I, I got up off the floor, and I said, what was that for? And he said, just for drill. Hmm. And uh, so he was just this extremely violent man, uh, and and I write uh, several uh, again several anecdotes in the in the book. One time he went after my older brother, who was all of eight years old at the time, and uh, beat him severely uh, for talking back. Uh, and so when I stepped in to to try and intervene, uh, he looked at me and he said, "Mind your own business, or you'll get the same." And so, uh, fortunately, my mother showed up at about that moment and stepped between Frank and his victim and, uh, and calmed the situation down. And the interesting thing was is that, uh, or one of the interesting things, is that in the, in the uh, early years, she was our protector. She would, she would do everything she could to keep us from being beaten 
or uh, punished severely, and that was usually a beating. Uh, but as the years went on, the fatigue of, of her role as mother of 18 and then 20 children wore on her, and she, she could no longer keep up with the demands of that life. And eventually, she began feeding the children to Frank to protect herself. Huh. Wow. Now, where in all of this, um, now, before we get into the movie, uh, you know, and, and Lucille Ball coming to, to the family, um, your mother, I read that your mother wrote a book called Who Gets the Drumstick that yeah, was published that was in... that Lucy's they, idea. Uh, oh, yeah. So when Lucille Ball c- contacted my mother and my stepfather, uh, she suggested that the, the film be made. And uh, it, her, her idea was to create the great American sitcom on steroids. <laughs> and, uh, and she was very successful at, at that because Yours, Mine, and Ours was the fourth highest grossing film of 1968. And Lucille Ball won a Golden Globe for her role as Helen North. Hmm. So it was both critically and financially successful. Uh, but the... Um, the suggestion that came from Lucy was, why don't you, Helen North, why don't you write, uh, or North Beardsley, why don't you write a book and we'll base the film on the book. Uh-huh. My mother was not a writer, and uh, she did her best, uh, but she, again, she was extremely religious, and everything in the book was, uh, by the grace of God, this, and according to my dear Jesus, that, and and on and on. So finally, Lucy brought in a couple of scriptwriters from Desilu Studios to finish out the project, and then they based the film on very loosely on who gets the drumstick. Hmm. Okay. So um, your mother married um, Frank Beardsley in 1961. Correct. And the book came out in 1965, and then the movie came out in 1968. Okay. Yep. So. Um, so, all right, so when, I, I guess we can, um, now I, I understand also that Frank was sexually abusive as well to, to his, who did he sexually abuse? Yeah, he, he sexually abused uh, everyone in the family, pretty much. Um, I, I, he attempted to sexually abuse me, uh, but I saw what he had in mind and, and uh, got out of the, his, uh, his presence um, and as as uh, diplomatically and carefully as I could, uh, but he was sexually abusing many of the his daughters and st- and stepdaughters. Hmm. So it didn't make a difference whether they were his biological daughters or his stepdaughters. No, that's correct. Wow. So okay. So why don't we? Um, so so it was in nineteen. Well, it would have to have been. 1961 or later that Lucy came calling, right? So Lucy came calling in about 1962 uh, because she had the idea right away. She saw the the story in the papers uh, when it was you know, a human interest story of the merger of these two very large when, families. When they got married. They got married, and so well, yes, that's when she's that's when it was in the newspaper. Um, we need to take another break. Uh, my guest is Tom North. His book is called. True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours, and we're just about, well, we've been uncovering that, and we're going to be getting into uh, how the 
real life was really different from the truth that the movie was supposed to be supposedly portraying. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I want to get right back to the story because it was really fascinating. My guest is Tom North. His book is True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours. Um, we're t- we were talking before the break about how um, <coughs> Tom's mother, Helen North, and his stepfather, Frank Beardsley, got married, which was in around 1961, and they then and that made the papers. And um, Tom was telling me during the break about how also it was soon after that that they uh, that Tom um, that Tom that Frank adopted the North children, and that that made the papers. Right. That is correct. And so that's how Lucille Ball came across this story. So take it from there. So, so the, uh, the families were combined and, and uh, all the Norths were, were absorbed into the Beardsley family. And, and so um, Lucy was actually involved with her Broadway career at the time. And, of course, it takes a while to write a book. So my mother was busy involved with that. And then um, the the film didn't come out until 1968 uh, because of Lucy's involvement. The, the the filming was actually begun in in the 1965 time frame, uh, but she it wasn't released until 1968 because she just wasn't that available. Uh, Lucy wasn't, and so um, the irony that many of us were faced with is that many of when I say many of us, I mean we the children. Mm-hmm. Was that the the expectation in the community was that we were all uh, famous and wealthy from the movie and living happily ever after, and the reality was more like uh, children who grow up in a war zone. Uh, we were I I like to use the image of a deer at the pond. You know, the deer reaches down and drinks a little bit and then looks up and looks around to see if there's any predators nearby. Mm. 
And that's kind of the way we, we lived. It certainly was the way I lived, uh, because we never knew uh, if Frank Beardsley was lurking around some corner waiting to uh, victimize someone. Uh, well, here's a... Okay, but now with all these people, um, you know, the people from the film, uh, sort of around at times at least... Um, and and your regular teachers and doctors and that kind of thing. No, none of you told anybody before or after the film. Actually, we did. Um, there were there were family members on my mother's side who were oh, well aware of the difficulties in which we were living, but my mother told them to to butt out. She told them that this was not their business and that she would handle it. And so she had an agenda of her own, and she didn't want any inter- in- interference from her uh, relatives. And eventually, uh, Frank, knowing that, that they disapproved of him, uh, banned them from the household and mm. allowed. So <clears throat> the, uh, in one, on one occasion, two of my sisters and I went up to the local Catholic church uh, in Carmel, and went to the priest because we had just had it. We, we thought, this is insanity, and we've got to get somebody to help us. So we went to the local church and walked up to the rectory and knocked on the door, and the priest came to the door, and I explained to the priest uh, what was happening in the house. And he looked down his long, beaked nose at me, and he said, Tommy, he said, I want you to go home and apologize to your dad. And I said, he's not my dad. And he looked at me and he said, of course he is. And so he said, and I want to see you in the confessional on Saturday morning, young man, to confess this sin of calumny, which is saying something bad about a person in a position of authority. Hmm. And so we walked home knowing that there was no one who was going to help us. If we had gone to the police they would have investigated, they would have talked to Frank Beardsley, he would have denied everything, and then he would have killed us. Hmm. Now, how is this playing against the backdrop of the movie? Uh, I, mean, I mean, did you get a chance to talk to Lucille Ball or any of the, or the actor who played you? Or, you know, how involved were you and your siblings with the movie? And, and could you have said to, or to, to them, this isn't what it's really like? Well, when Lucy came to meet the family, uh, she, I, I mentioned a moment ago that she cautioned my mother to keep yes. Frank away from her. Yes. And, and she did not have much interaction with any of the children. And so uh, she, she came, she saw what she needed to see, she went back to Hollywood, and that was pretty much it until the film was released in 1968. I can only imagine that she saw a desperate situation and realized that this is the 1960s, and the the mores, the social mores, the uh, social systems for child protection didn't exist yes. and as they exist today. Yes. And and so uh, there was much more of an attitude that a man's home is his castle, and, right. uh, and certainly. Uh, a man like Henry Fonda, one would never question uh, a wise, loving patriarch of that nature because, of course, everyone believed that what they saw on the silver screen was what occurred in life. And that's uh, unfortunately not the case. 
So when your mother wrote her book, um, and yes, with the help later of, of some of the writers from Desilu, um, did she write any of the truth in her book, or she sugarcoated it also? She sugarcoated it all. She wanted so desperately for the world to believe that she could bring these two families together. When I came home after uh, the, the evening that I went to see the priest, and uh, came home discouraged. Uh, the next day was a school day, and when I came home from school, my mother called me aside, and with just uh, her teeth gritted and her face beat red, she was so angry, and she said, I have never been so embarrassed as when Father Dudenay called me this morning and told me about what you told him last night. She mm. said, if you ever tell anyone what goes on in this household, it will be the last thing you ever do. She said, wow. Then she said, now get out of my sight. And uh, so she was so, uh, wanted so much to be a success at bringing these two families together that she protected that uh, uh, like it was sacred. Well, was it also, did she also want to be a star in a sense? You know, want to be famous and rich and famous? I don't think so. I really don't think that's what uh, she had in mind. I really think that she was such a religious woman that, you know, her goal to save these children and save this man, I think, would get her into heaven in her own mind. And uh, she was much more interested in her relationship with, with God and uh, and this was her ticket, was was to do this wonderful humanitarian deed, and uh, unfortunately she failed at it. And then she was getting um, your stepfather was abusing her as well, right? Well, now uh, I never saw him hit her. Mm. I saw him yell and scream at her quite a bit, uh, but she got right back in his face and yelled and screamed back at him. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, she had a feisty streak of her own. Uh, but I, there's a chapter in the book which is called The 25 Cent Solution. And when I was 15 years old, I came very close to putting a bullet through his head. Hmm. And, and had I watched him beat my mother at any time prior to that, it's, it's my belief that I would have. I would, uh-huh. I would have killed him had he physically harmed my mother. Uh, but I never saw him do that. Uh, I don't think he ever hit her. Hmm. So, um, so what happened when, I mean, it must have been when the movie did come out in 68. I mean, of course, that added to the whole problem of, I mean, here you were, everybody thought, as you were starting to say, this, this happy, fuzzy family, and you really, really made it harder to tell anybody what the truth was. And, and so that compounded the conflict that all of us children were experiencing. And since there was uh, so much negativity in the household and there was so little support given to any of the children, uh, I did what so many teenagers did at that time in the in the late 60s, early 70s, is I escaped into substance abuse, mm. and uh, and spent most of my 
teenage years in a in a stupor of one kind or another. And uh, it was only when I was about 22. Of course, what what Frank Beardsley had done is he had bought a donut shop when he retired from the Navy so that he could provide an income for the family. And all of the children worked in the donut shop, and we were not paid uh, because there's 20 mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. So uh, all during the, our teen years, all of the children worked in the donut shop. Um, so... While I w- when I had graduated from high school, I stayed on to help the family uh, for another five years. Hmm. So, and, and many of us did that so that uh, we could help support the family. Uh-huh. And what was the thing you mentioned at 15 you almost uh, solved the problem by, by using, uh, directing a bullet towards your stepfather's head? What was the thing that, after all these years that tipped you um, that close? Well, my father was a hunter. Richard North was a hunter, and he taught all of his children uh, who were old enough, that was the four of, uh, of the older children, how to hunt uh, prior to his dying, and he would take us rabbit hunting and pheasant hunting, and, and it was very exciting to be a little boy and being out with my dad mm-hmm. uh, in the woods. So I had this, uh, and of course then he passed away, and and uh, I still had this desire to emulate him and be a hunter. Mm-hmm. So I convinced my mother and, and Frank that if, if they would let me buy a gun, I could go hunting in the hills around Carmel and, and hunt deer and wild boar and other uh, food sources, and that I would contribute to the family table. Uh-huh. And, so they agreed to do that, and I went and I bought a rifle, and I was I was very happy with that. And of course, you can't just have a rifle; you got to have a pistol with the rifle. Hmm. And so I went and I bought a pistol, and I bought a three fifty seven Magnum handgun. And I realized not long after purchasing it, uh, with all of the violence in the house, that I had the solution to everyone's problems hmm. in that handgun. And so one night, uh, as I write in the story, um, I walked up and stood outside their bedroom and uh, was ready to go in and, and kill him. Uh, and then I had a vision of what would happen as soon as I pulled the trigger. And I think it was given to me. I think it was divine intervention and I saw the reality of what I was contemplating and what the consequences would be in my own life. And it wasn't pretty. Uh-huh. And so I chose not to, and I, I did not shoot him. Well, <clears throat> at that, let's, we need to take another break. <laughs> we'll come back to why we'll, we'll, after the break. My guest is Tom North. His book is called True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours. Fascinating story. Um, More fascinating than what was on the screen. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Grown Child Reveals Shocking Story of a True Story Movie That Wasn't. The Grown Child is Tom North. His book is True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours, the classic film from 1968 that gets played and played. Um, Before the break, we kind of left on a cliffhanger with uh, Tom being outside of his stepdad's uh, room contemplating shooting him, hunting him, when? Take it away, Tom. Hey, so, so there I was, and I was standing outside the bedroom door of my mother and stepfather, and I had my hand on the handle of the door, and I thought, you know, it's time. I have to do this. And so I saw a vision of the consequences of, of killing him, and basically it was that, that society would revile me and condemn me for killing not Frank Beardsley, but Henry Fonda, because society's image of this man, Frank Beardsley, was the portrayal that was on the big screen given by Henry Fonda. And so that was the only perspective that, that society had at the time, and I would have been, I would have been uh, condemned and, and I would have been lost in the justice system for God knows how long. Uh, and my mother would have condemned me for killing Frank Beardsley because mm-hmm. because I would have interrupted her martyrdom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she was and so she would have been very angry with me for having done that, and so there, it was a no win situation for me, and I fortunately was allowed to see the consequences of my behavior before uh, I took that step, and so I chose not to go there. Yes, it would have been hard to, to at that point reveal all the abuse that had been going on and to convince people that that was true. Um, so you, earlier you were talking about how you finally got the family to get into therapy in 1989, you know, 20, 20, uh, 21 years later. How, what, what has happened to your family since, um, since the movie and since this lie has been perpetuated? Well, so... Uh, the family therapy sessions were very, very productive, 
and very uh, wonderful in terms of allowing the certainly the North children to express their frustrations and uh, the sense of, of guilt and shame that they carried with them uh, since childhood. And many of the Beardsley children uh, had the same experience. So it was all very, very positive. We got together, and, and we didn't know really how long it was going to last. We got together on a Saturday morning, and uh, there were eight of us in the first session. Uh, we ended up going 10 hours on Sunday and 10 hours on Saturday, mm-hmm. and we got so much out of it, we decided to do this again. So we set uh, a schedule for the following month, and, and instead of just eight, 15 of us showed up. Hmm. And it, we went 10 hours on Saturday and 10 hours on Sunday, and it was so productive, we decided to do it again. Mm-hmm. And in the third session, we brought my mother. And it was so productive for her, she, at the end of the day, she said, tomorrow I'm bringing Frank. He's going to come. And so he came, and it was very cathartic and very productive for him as well. Wow. So now, since that time... Uh, it's, which was 1989, the uh, North family has become closer, and the, it was my expectation that after the year 2000, when my mother passed, the two families would go their separate ways, and indeed that's exactly what has happened. Hmm. They, were, they were oil and water to begin with. They should never have been brought together, but they were, and... And when my mother passed away, she was really the only thing binding the two families. And so when she passed away, uh, the two families went their separate ways. So now is Frank still alive? Frank passed away in December of 2012, just about a year ago. December 11th, in fact. So is your book the first um, public announcement, in a sense, that this was all a lie? Yes, it, it is the first public announcement that this is all a lie. And the Beardsley family has uh, made a public statement that they do not support anything that I've written in True North, nor do they support anything that I say to the media. So they really don't want to deal with these issues at all. So did your, let's see, did your book come out before um, Frank died? Or? Uh, my, my book came out in July of 2013, just earlier this year. Did he know you were writing a book? You know, he had dementia for the last few years of his life, and mm. he really didn't know much of anything. I sat down to write the book in 2008, simply because over the years, as I had shared the true story with people in social circumstances, they would say, oh, this is a book. You really have to write a book. Mm -hmm. And I put it off and put it off, but eventually several people came back to me and said, you know, based on what you shared with me about the family therapy sessions, I went back and addressed issues in my own family, and I got resolution, so thank Mm. you. And they thanked me for sharing that story. And I realized, you know, I think this is a story that should be told. So yes. I was, yeah. Yes, and your um, siblings, the North siblings, are all behind it, correct? Well, there, there are actually a couple of them that are not. Uh, most of them, there are five of them who are saying, thank you, Tom, for writing this book. 
someone had to write this book, and, and, and God bless you for writing it. And there are a couple of them who say, boy, this is tough. I, I, I can't deal with this at all. And mm. so they're, they're not supportive. And what about the people behind the movie? Have you been contacted by, um, you know, any, I mean, I'm a, I don't know who's, uh, I don't know whether who's still, who's still around from the movie, but has anybody contacted you? No, I haven't been in touch with anyone. I have been in contact with a filmmaker uh, who is in the Los Angeles area who found out about this, the book uh, serendipitously. Uh, and so he's very, he has read it. He's very excited. Uh, he wants to take the project forward. Uh, but, you know, you're in Los Angeles, and, and uh, I'm sorry, in Beverly Hills, and you know how the, the movie business is. Uh, it's, uh, it can take a long time, and, and who knows what can happen. Yeah, it can take a long time, but at the same time, I could see this as being uh, uh, having a certain cachet, you know, in a lot of different ways. Well, it does. You know, the people who have read the book, and there are quite a few hundred people who have read the book now, many of them have come back and reflected on their own lives, and that's the value of, of True North, the shocking truth of yours, mine, and ours, is that people care about what happens to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they immediately begin to reflect on their own childhood and on their own upbringing, and they talk to me about what was important to them growing up. And it gives them permission to deal with some of the emotional difficulties that they might have with their own childhood. And uh, as one person said, Tom, don't think this is about you. This is about all of us. Mm. And and thank you for writing this story. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can certainly see that because uh, in every family there's really, I mean, it isn't as dramatic, literally, as uh, being the subject of a major motion picture um, presenting one um, scenario and it really being something else. But, like, to some degree, every family presents a certain way to the world and then behind closed doors, it's usually a lot different and not quite as rosy. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, very much so. We are just such a wonderfully dysfunctional society. <laughs> yes. Well, I, um, I, I just want to mention that we're, we're kind of coming to the end here, but I just want to mention that you, um, uh, we are at the end. Well, I'll just also, well, let me, why don't we give out your um, website, first of all. That'd be fine. So uh, you, can, you can read more about this on www.truenorthbytomnorth.com. Yes, truenorthbytomnorth.com. Uh, yeah, and we should also mention that uh, we are a national sponsor for uh, CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children. Yes, that's where I was going, absolutely. And their um, website is... Uh, CASA, C-A-S-A, for children.org. Yes, that's, where, that's what I wanted to mention right. as well. So you're really, really trying to help other children in a positive way as right. well. Yeah. So thank you so much, Tom, for sharing your story. I wish you well, and I wish you luck with I, I hope it does become uh, the true picture. Well, <laughs> and thank you all. Thank you all for listening. I'm, I'm sorry, we're kind of running out of time here. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. Okay. Uh, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.